<clears throat> All right, let me get in here. I'm just gonna sit on the shelf. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're recording. Oh yeah. shit. Okay. Welcome to Trauma Queen, where we normalize talking about some pretty hard shit. I'm Jamanika Eborn, your certified trauma queen. I've been working with survivors of assault for over a decade. This season, we will be talking about sexual education. We will discuss how we deal with stressors that come up around our work, societal, personal traumas, and growth. What we've learned and how we have to navigate through our daily lives. And like always, the focus will be on our journey to healing and finding support. In each episode, I'll give three new resources directly related to the topics we cover. For years, I've seen survivors portrayed without their voices ever being really heard. This changes now. Let's heal together. Okay, so I'm super duper excited to have this individual on the show. I remember when you were really diving into sex ed and you and I had like a conversation Mm -hmm. and to see how far you've come, I'm like this fucking badassery, like (laughs) you better kick every goddamn door down and help every family. Um, (laughs) Can you tell us your naming your pronouns? Yes, I am Melissa Carnegie and I uh, use she, they. Lovely, lovely. I love it. Can you tell us why you think your story and our perspective needs to be heard? Ooh, yes. So I present with a lot of different experiences and I've found that that's been really super valuable in this work because when I first kind of came into sex ed, transitioning from work in HIV and sexual health, what I saw were a lot of white female, white women faces in terms of those that are working with families mm-hmm. specifically. So that like, kind of niche of this. And um, But how I came into this was uh, after working in sex, sexual health for uh, about a decade in the nonprofit and state government level I'm over in Texas, um, who Ooh, Texas. a state... Yeah, a state that doesn't do do too well <laughs> on a lot of levels. But uh, so very, very much needed around sexual health and, and sex education. Uh, but I, I grew up not having conversations, not having sex positive, s- supportive conversations around bodies and sex and relationships, um, seeing a lot of toxic dynamics within my own home, but not having any kind of outlet or support to talk about them. Um, I experienced parenthood at a young age. So I have, uh, my oldest child is, is now 20. So uh, she's an adult. She's a sophomore in college. That's a grown and, up. Allegedly. Yeah. Age is a number because when we're at that age, are we really grown ups? Ooh, but you know what? <laughs> she is. She's legit. Um, and a lot of that is because of the, the very intentional and conscious way in which I've parented her because I wanted to make sure that she had the tools to be able to make choices that felt right for her around Mm -hmm. her body, relationships, sex, because I know that I did not have that. So the work that I do is very much influenced by my journey, uh, my personal journey and journey as a parent. I also have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old bonus son. And so, you know, we're living sex positive parenting Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, so having that lived experience has been, uh, a lot of what has influenced and, and become the the source of a lot of the content that I do produce with sex positive families. Um, and then I also teach, I teach sex ed in the classroom. Um, right now I'm teaching uh, close to 200 students every week uh, that are 11 to 19 year olds. So sixth, seventh and 12th graders. And so being in the classroom, uh, the amazing curiosities that come up with young people that are often 
uh, unaddressed mm-hmm. in, in their life outside of the classroom. So being able to create those safe and uh, inclusive and positive spaces uh, so they can just know what the heck is going on, you know, make sense of it and not be shamed for it or not be kept in the dark or in silence. Um, So I just get to marry all of these things when I do the work that I do. And I just, I feel so fortunate. I feel so privileged uh, to be in, in that in that position to, yeah. to walk with people along their sexual health journey. I personally, you know, adults are cool or whatever, but I really like working with kids and teenagers because there's just mm-hmm. something like that's genuine about them wanting the information and being like, yeah. and you see that little spark in their eye. Also when they start to like squirm, when you start talking about bodies, I love mm-hmm. it. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> That makes my heart so happy. But then to have like, they get to give them the space to ask these scary, honest questions, because society has made them scary. Like these are normal questions and I want to give you this gift. And they're like, wait, you don't want to lie to me. You you don't actually tell me the truth. Yes. Like that is, it's, it's so powerful. And I I love what you're saying. Cause that, I mean, you, you, you have to pay attention to the nonverbals as well as the verbals because it, it says everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and often a lot of young people are coming into classrooms with, with their own trauma, you know, even at sixth grade, fifth grade, there are a lot of young people who've experienced unsafe touch um, and sexual trauma and also just consent violations that have nothing to do with sex. And so we can't just come into these classrooms classrooms and think that we're just going to teach and preach, you know, (laughs) without meeting them, getting to know them and building a relationship that is based in trust. So I am so fortunate that I get to spend, you know, multiple sessions. I get to spend 10 and this semester we're doing 11 sessions um, because you get to build a real relationship and and, uh, a rapport and a trust. And um, I'm serving uh, black and brown youth. I Mm. think I only have one student that might be white. (laughs) Okay. Um, across, you know, the almost 200 students. And so to be also a black and brown person myself and coming into the space and being uh, sex positive in my delivery of this information, not just trying to talk to them about, you know, teen pregnancy and uh, STIs and all of that, but just really breaking it down. And, and, you know, that anonymous question box, which Uh, is so, so much fun. Yes, I love it so, so much. Um, just being able to to let them know that there are no stupid questions. There's nothing that's taboo. Um, I'm here for you. And and they see it and they feel it through your authentic way of, of delivering and just being there with them. Uh, and to see them start out maybe squirmy, wormy, right, in their first couple <laughs> yeah. sessions. And then by, you know, definitely by third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you just move along and you see how much they start to use accurate terms without laughing afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just, they're coming in, they're excited to see what's next. And just to know that, you know, you're you're able to be a part of that process for them and that you're you're helping to equip them and they'll take away something, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's really, really exciting. Yeah, especially with like working with the youth, like they have to trust you. Because mm-hmm. that's where they're like, mm-hmm, what do you want? <laughs> like, And then exactly. once you get that trust, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I love this class. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. So that's dope. How did you, I know you you talked about like this work is because of your, your background and everything, but how did you actually get into this work? Uh, so, so I, it was from a draw of a hat <laughs> in my <laughs> social work class. Like literally my, um, when I was doing my undergrad in social work, which I, I just have a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, sometimes people make assumptions around that. Yeah. Uh, and I also like to disrupt 
uh, some people's thinking when it comes to thinking that you have to have all these, you know, certain certifications or these, you know, different degrees and all of this in order to just do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not true. You know, it's definitely, you know, stay connected to professional development and growth and knowledge and information, but don't discount your lived experience and your passion and your connection to the work. Don't let imposter syndrome, you know, disrupt the work that you're here to do on this earth um, that goes beyond these systems, you know, that try to make you think you're not good enough. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, I was it was from a draw of a hat. Uh, I drew a population which was uh, HIV, STI, and they they coupled LGBTQ, which is all kinds of wrong, but they mm. did that. And so that was the population I then had to research and find out what kind of resources there were in the area in Austin, Texas, where I'm at. And so through doing that research and interviewing folks in the field and all of that is where um, I just got really interested and intrigued and connected to um Uh, the HIV population in particular. And then I did my uh, internship at an AIDS service organization and then just got hooked. You know, the stigma that exists around folks living with HIV specifically and other sexually transmitted infections, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot that fuels it in terms of, you know, sexual shame, sexual trauma, the culture in which we live in. And so to be able to be a a safe space and again, a, a supportive uh, individual along the path of someone else who's who's been affected by um, all of these societal um, toxicities yeah. um, is really what kind of got me got me connecting got me started and and then um, and then I realized you know I moved into the state government and I was like you know these cubicle walls are like too tight <laughs> I, you know I'm like <laughs> throw yeah, I was I was just like, this is this isn't going to work for me. I don't really know what will at the mm-hmm. moment, but this is going to work for me. And that was two years ago. And I took the brave leap out of the cubicle. Yeah, and you out did. of you know, Yeah. And then that's when I was like, hmm, I, you know, what do I really want to do? And one of the things was uh, talk, help parents uh, talk to their kids about sex, uh, because I know that that's something that people can struggle with, but that I myself, you know, was able to to kind of find the the strategies and the way to to do it and to actually live that. And uh, so I started researching, is that like a job? Can I do that? (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I found some folks that do it as a job. But something that I did find was that it it was a lot of white, you know, women appearing folks. And I was and I, I think only Nadine Thornhill is who may have come up you know, who, who's uh, out of Canada. Uh, but it's not not to say that there aren't any black or brown people that are working with youth. But as far as those that have like platforms that are getting, you know, visibility, I, I, I didn't see those. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, there's there's just a gap clearly. Right. There's a gap. And uh, because a lot of these programs and teachings are often you know, find their way to target black and brown youth or try to, you know, help black and brown youth or whatever, savior kind of stuff. And so I thought, you know what, I really, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to be. And then that's when, you know, and then I stumbled across you. And, and like you said, we had that, that cool talk. And so it's just been really awesome connecting with so many folks that are passionate and serving in this work and within their own niches and their own voice and their own impact. It's just been amazing. Yeah. When when did you start to realize how important sex ed was? Was it like back in the day or you just like, uh, is that like what forced you to kind of like switch it up a little bit? Uh, yeah. So I would say just 
in my path of parenting, mm-hmm. you know, I, I knew what I didn't have. Uh, I experienced sex ed in Texas, which, you know, isn't mandatory. And so I think it was maybe in sixth grade, we had like one class related to menstruation and we were separated, you know, boys, girls, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then I think there was like a presentation once and with STI, the, you know, STI symptom photos were shown. So it was very much a scare tactic. Very traumatizing. Mentality. Yeah, very much. It was not not at all sex positive, not at all affirming or welcoming. And so I knew it's like that's when I, I kind of got inklings, you know, that like like this isn't this isn't enough. This isn't working. And I didn't have anyone to ask those questions to. So I was sneaking watching real sex on HBO. Yep, been there. <laughs> yep. And and uh <laughs> And that's how I, you know, that was like porn for our young people today, you know, on their cell phones, that was the porn, you know, and that I had access to and, and therefore got a lot of perceptions. So then I was really curious. And so I, I, uh, I, I then experimented with sex myself, but again, without the support, without the knowledge, without the awareness and, you know, and I got pregnant, you know, when I was 17. And so I know that my path would have been different if I'd had information and support around these things. I know that I wouldn't have been just floundering uh, secretly and desperately for connection Mm -hmm. and for for resources. Yeah. It's tricky because they they were like, well, why don't you know better? Well, you also don't teach us. You just teach me not to do the thing. But like any child you say, don't do that. They're going to be like, like this you mean like don't do it like yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like moving closer to it you know? so don't you said don't touch this fire what if I put like one finger in it like okay. <laughs> I have little my goddaughters are small and I'm like what what is happening do you just they're like so to be cute. opposite thank you I like oh they're they're interesting humans <laughs> they're my favorite type of human though young yes. young so what does being a sex educator mean to you uh it means uh showing up authentically it means doing living my own journey and truth because sexual health is a journey it's not a destination and it's something that we're all as humans we're all on on a path you know mm-hmm. and we're experiencing and we're figuring out and it evolves and it changes it goes in different directions as time our own time passes and so being a sex educator to me is is being uh, that authentic human alongside and with another human at whatever stage they're at, and then being in a position to share some knowledge and affirm some of the experiences that other people are going through so that people understand that they are normal as they are, and that there are experiences of the body that happen. Um, And so how can we, how can we support each other, you know, through that to yeah. get outcomes that feel good for each of us. And, and what does that even look like? You know? Yeah. Very individual. Yeah. Why do you think parents are so scared of sex ed? <laughs> <laughs> I think parents of today, uh, a lot of parents of today did not have great sex ed modeled for them. Mm-hmm. And so when you haven't had it modeled for you, you know, you, you then you don't know what that looks like. And so there's a fear of failing. There's a fear of not being good enough. There's a fear uh, of if I talk about it, it's going to make them want to do it. Um, and not knowing what to say, how to say it, when to say it, 
So it just triggers a lot. And then also there are a lot of parents of today that have their own traumas, you know, uh, that they've experienced. And so there's, and a lot of, and sometimes what I find is that if they've experienced trauma, uh, sexual trauma at a certain point in their life, it can often be triggered when that, when they have children that are, you know, heading into that same age range as they were when they experienced that trauma. And our society is one that holds these things in secrecy. And so um, it doesn't give people the tools to know how to open up and talk about or even access support for their own traumas and then how to even open that up with another human, let alone a child whom you're supposed to be like an authority figure or a superhero to. So just being like vulnerable Mm -hmm. is something that can be hard for parents because of the way that our society frames parenting. And yeah. so a lot of what I do in in the work of sex positive families is, you know, chip away at that is really help parents confront that and see, is that, is that really working for you? You know, is that really what you believe and get them to just try like one talk, let's like try one, <laughs> you know, thing and see how that feels yeah. and um, ease into it. Yeah, ease into it. Not 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 the talk, but like there's lots and lots of talks. So you have lots of lots of opportunities, and you can always go back and be like, you know what? When you asked that question the other day, I realized I I wasn't I wasn't ready for that. But your question was a great question, and mm-hmm. now I've had some time to think about it, and I want us to go back to that. Mm-hmm. And just you know, knowing that you you can choose your own adventure with it. It's it's not something that you have to try to be perfect for like being imperfect is is the ideal so that you can model that for your young person so that they're not in the position as they grow older to feel like they have to be some kind of you know robot super superhuman you know yeah it's so interesting that you talk about that like when I talk to sometimes parents they're like well I'm just I'm just not ready for this and I'm like I understand that you don't have to just do it all in one day like there's no just one day sex class but also like giving yourself as a parent, like the permission to fuck up. Exactly. You're going to fuck up, take a breath, come back. Because for me, it's like, if, if you're able to have these, the toughest conversations with your kids and they know that they can talk to you, they will come to you for everything. Ooh, they sure will. They absolutely will. And that can feel scary, right? That can feel scary to folks, especially if you didn't have that with, with it with your parent right and lots of parents are operating from that that memory and saying oh gosh I would never have talked to my mom or dad or whomever about this Um, and so because it's just awkward and so again helping adults of today challenge that and Mm -hmm. see that it's only awkward because it was made awkward Mm -hmm. it's not actually awkward this is these are like facts and these are information and these are experiences of the body and of being human and of sexuality it's not awkward Um, and so you do have the ability to influence a different outcome with a different approach yeah I mean generational trauma is real like there's no way especially for black and brown folks the way it's passed down um because of the way our bodies have been withheld within society you know since we were brought here um Mm -hmm. and and it's scary for people so I'm so glad you're doing this work like it's it's so magical and so needed um and we talked about the fun stuff so what what do you see as a problem or problems within sex ed right now 
Ah, good question. So uh, gatekeepers. So there are a lot of gatekeepers, uh, especially if, if we're talking about sex ed for young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, is why I was really called to work with parents, caring adults and youth and family serving professionals is because, you know, we can go into these classrooms all day, every day. Not that we are even allowed to do that, but, you know, we, we can go into these classrooms. Um, but if they after class is over, you know, if they're going into other environments or their homes and they're not even allowed to talk about what happened in that classroom space because of the stigma and the shame and the silence and the trauma and all of that, then we're not really holistically addressing this. So needing to reach, talk to, and um, support the adults in the equation is an important piece that can get avoided many times because, you know, adults are just older children and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who just, yeah, who, who need the same kind of support and uh, affirming care when it comes to these things. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so that, that, that's what I, I strive to do is just help to speak to the gatekeepers so that their confidence and their competence can be increased around these topics because if they're feeling you know really um, empowered and informed then they're much more likely to to position themselves as influencers versus hide from from these topics Mm -hmm. we're recording this season during the month of april which is also sexual assault awareness month I wanted to do something special for survivors this year and upon speaking with candace one of the co-creators of the kink kit I was really moved by the way that they allow people to connect with different levels of their sexuality. I curated every single thing in this kit. We really wanted to create a healing experience and I couldn't have asked for a better partnership. This box was created to support survivors and their partners to find other ways to connect. This box will allow you and your partner to develop mindfulness connection around your sexual partnership, creating pleasure positive rituals and loving communication strategies, all while having fun. There's a lot of shame around survivors having pleasure. Let's change that narrative today. You can get details on the kit, the games included, and the techniques you'll pick up, and more by visiting thekinkkit.com backslash queen. That's T-H-E-K-I-N-K-K-I-T dot C-O-M backslash Q-U-E-E-N. Do you think by choosing this work, you've, you know, have had any like financial struggles versus if you were like, I'm gonna just stick with this nine to five because, you know, sex ed is just where all the, all the coins are. Oh gosh. Yes. I'm, (laughs) I am so rich. Um, (laughs) you can tell, um, no, it's like, um, yeah, the struggle is real as we know, uh, because just like just like any educators, yeah. <laughs> educators, uh, folks, sexuality professionals, like, uh, and like social services and, and people serving of uh, uh, jobs, they're not as highly regarded in this society, American culture in particular, as other um, capitalist, you know, jobs. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a uh, hustle. 
And I, so that's why I've got like nine jobs (laughs) and I'm just really grateful that all the jobs that I have right now are all in the same line of work. I'm no longer like 2018. Certainly I was having to take other gigs that had nothing to do with sex ed just so that I could like fund and like survive. (laughs) Um, But now I'm super grateful through just staying committed and, you know, just showing up every day and challenging myself, not giving up that now everything that I do for all of my work is around sex ed. And so I am making uh, a good living um, and I'm continuing on that path, but it takes, it takes a lot of, of work and energy and it's not something that people are just dropping all the coins for, but they're showing up like, you know, they want the stuff for free, but as far as right. Yeah. People love, love the free. It's, it's, and I love to be able to provide the free, but the way my rent is set up. Right. (laughs) It's not quite like that. It doesn't accept the free. Um, before I want to transition to a few different things, but can you tell me a little bit about like, what is sex ed like in Texas? Oh gosh. Well, it's not mandated. Um, when they are delivering it, it is abstinence, uh, focused, And so that's leaving a lot of young people without uh, sex ed at all. And then when it is delivered, it can be, especially in the public school system, it can uh, be more from a shame-based perspective, not comprehensive at all. So the sex ed that I I refuse to teach, abstinence only or abstinence plus or abstinence focused, any of these names they try to come up with. (laughs) I refuse to teach those things. So I teach in charter schools or in private schools or in community groups um, because the public school system here, if they teach it, it's, it's not sex positive. And I refuse to compromise my values around that. So, so yeah, sex ed in Texas needs a lot of work. There are a lot of gatekeepers at the legislative levels and within and administrators within school systems Um, So part of what I'll be doing with the organization that I work with um, in our next grant year uh, is developing professional development and capacity building um, resources, trainings, workshops for professionals. So for educators, uh, youth and family serving professionals to help them build the skills around uh, sexual health and sex ed uh, for adolescents, uh, because we shouldn't just be waiting for sex educators, you know, to meet the needs of youth around these topics, all, all folks that intersect with youth um, should have the skills and the ability and the comfort level of having these types of conversations because they will come up and youth should have, should see adults as safe spaces, as trusted, you know, folks. Um, And especially as it relates to LGBTQ youth and, you know, the the diverse needs of diverse humans. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that there's any connection between sex ed and therapy? (laughs) Yes. And (laughs) there, because of systems, there, you know, we have systems that are set up around like therapeutic spaces, you know, it's like, well, you know, you have to be licensed with this or, you know, have this many supervision hours and all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And those were, those are constructed systems and they certainly, they certainly can make sense. We don't want necessarily just anybody out there, you know, trying to make a dime off of, off of therapy. Um, But also it, it does, it, it again becomes another system that 
uh, and gatekeeper for folks having access to valuable support. Uh, because, you know, healthcare doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, finances don't look the same for everyone. Um, the fact that there's not uh, the level of diversity when it comes to providers that mirror the, the, the general population and the folks that need the, the support and the services. So that just can leave a lot of people that have mental health needs without resources. And so what, what I believe, what I definitely see in sex ed is that there are a lot of people that are accessing sex education um, that are that have experienced trauma and that would could benefit from from a therapy and from therapeutic spaces, but may not have access or the means or comfort level around utilizing those systems. So as a sex educator, you know, I'm aware of the lines, you know, yeah. um, and just where I, I uh, need to kind of set the, the, the boundary, you know, to respect those lines, but also being keenly aware of what the individual may need in those moments. So yeah. it's not always like this, just this flat out, you know, line, because it can get blurred because often related to trauma. And that makes total sense. That makes, that makes total yeah. sense to me. Have you personally found any healing within sex ed, like by learning or like your own work? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say every single day. Um, one thing that I do not uh, talk about as often as I as I can and and should, is that I am a parent of a uh, trauma thriver. And so he, my now nine-year-old experienced um, unwanted touch when he was six. Uh, he was newly six. Um, and it was from a, a teenager mm. uh, at, at uh, his uh, other parent's house. And so having to go through all of that, you know, just everything that transpired, you know, after that, uh, because he did let me know as soon as I picked him up, I knew something wasn't right about him. And just, it took just a couple miles down the road driving and us talking, you know, yeah. that, uh, he disclosed to me what happened. And so, uh, through that experience, um, I definitely, uh, it definitely informs, is another thing that informs a lot of what I do and why I do it and why I'm so committed and I'm so passionate to it because I know that there are so many other families that have experienced this and there isn't enough that's talked about openly when yeah. it comes to this topic and especially when it relates to things that happen between children um, and and when it's not talked about and when it's not addressed um, then it it becomes for a lot of people, you know, part of their script, a lot of, you know, their sexual script and their, their uh, identity and their understanding, and it can affect them for a lifetime. So just, you know, being able to, to create spaces where topics like this can be discussed, normalized, better understood, people can be linked to resources and support, know that they're not alone, that there's nothing wrong or bad or dirty, you know, about them or their experiences, and that there's healing that's possible is is really important. Yeah, yeah. And again, there's, it's like part of the work that I think both of you, both of you, whew, 
I'm sorry, I'm just Gemini speak for multiple people in my head. Um, <laughs> what both of us do is trying to normalize these conversations so that when things do come up, they're like, okay, we can handle this. Versus Absolutely. being like, oh, no, okay, well, um, write it down on a piece of paper and when I'm ready, I'll re-. like, no, like yeah. we need to face these things head on because they are real. They may be scary, but without us talking about them, we are actually causing further harm. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't do secrets. That's, that's one major part of my, uh, the home culture. And just like my living in general, um, is I don't, I don't do secrets. And I believe that there's nothing that's taboo, um, unless it's made that way, it's constructed that way. And Mm -hmm. I, and I, I I feel that that has certainly helped in my, you know, own home. And then in the classroom, when I work with youth, and then when I work with adults, um, when you can just like see someone as they are and they they feel like they're seen yeah so so much becomes possible so much like healing and vulnerability and honesty and then moving further and further away from shame oh i was like oh this is why you're 20 year old to grown up this is this, <laughs> this is why I, I have to be honest i mean she she totally is she's i was not I was not anywhere near. <laughs> I may still be trying to get on her level. <laughs> can you awesome. can you tell us about sex positive families? Like, how did you? I know you said like because of whom you are. Like, this is how you got here. But can you give us a little bit more? Tell us all the things about it. Oh yeah. So um, it's not just social media, um, which is one thing I'm. I try to impress upon people, uh, especially like n- people new to the platforms. Um, it has a, a nice social media presence and, and that I feel really excited about because that to me is just about like how many individuals and families and even I have a lot of teens that follow the work too. Like how can we just reach as many people, you know, with these messages because, um, the work expanding out uh, is just so critical. We can never have enough sex educators or sexuality professionals. We need so many hands on deck. And so um, social media is one avenue by which we can reach a lot of people. Um, And uh, I do workshops. So I do, uh, I did a puberty workshop recently with third graders and their parents. And it was super fun and awesome to share information about uh, menstruation and body changes and all of that. Um, I'll be doing a workshop coming up here for um, youth and family serving professionals about how to foster sex positivity amongst youth. Um, so I do a lot of in-person events and then uh, I do online uh, trainings and uh, mm-hmm. we're about to launch a private Facebook group uh, that is going to be for sex positive parents, caring adults and professionals, just a, a more a private space where folks can continue to learn and grow. I'll have guest experts that I'll be doing lives with each month. Um, we have a reading list that's super popular. It's uh, dope. Over, it's a yeah, dope list. I'm excited about it because that was one thing that was hard to find in looking at resources is like there are lots of books out there. And I think books are a great resource to help talk about these topics. Um, so, so people don't have to think that they have to know it all or find all the right words all the time. Um, and also having the visuals that can often come with these books can be really helpful for different learners. And so finding books though, that aren't going to shame 
sex, that aren't shaming bodies, that are as inclusive as they can be, that's continuing to evolve and develop. Uh, and I just get excited every time I learn of a new book. And I'm excited, too, about the parent and adult section of the book list that we have that I continue to find new reads for. Because, again, I'm not I'm, I'm not just talking to young people. I'm very much talking to the grownups that uh, that we need to get grow the confidence. And so books can be one way to do that. Um, we did a podcast. So uh, one season of Sex Positive Families, the podcast, doing podcasting is a lot of work, as yes, I'm sure is. you know. Yes, yes it is. It <laughs> seems so, so easy. It's not. I know, right? It's like, oh, just, you know, let's just talk. Oh, no, no, no. There's, <laughs> there's a lot more to it. And so, um, so right now, it's like, I just did that first season. It was, it's, it was an awesome way to bring on other experts, educators, authors, professionals, um, and bring in, you know, on specific topics and all of that. But it, you know, until I get more help and more funding and more resources, um, but that one season continues to be a resource for lots of folks that yeah. are getting connected to the work. So I'm just, I'm, I'm doing the most, I, I have to admit, I also have some guides um, and downloadable tools. So You're killing I it. just, I, I'm well, over I here just, like, I need some more, I need more things. Melissa's I just, got I, everything. Well, now <laughs> I would definitely recommend uh, pacing oneself. <laughs> And getting support, which it, it you it looks like you've done a great job of getting, you know, some some good support behind you. And that's something that I'm I continue to work on. I do have an intern. Um, her name is Hannah. And so uh, and then I, I have another person that I'm bringing on board who's going to be helping with moderation of the Facebook group. Um, but, you know, just just trying to see how many different ways we can talk about these things and make them normal and um, and meet people where they're at. Mm. That's the that's the best part. Like that's that's what's lacking in uh conversations, educations and growth. Like they're constantly trying to like shove things down people's throats. I'm like, if you meet people where they're at, you're going to mm -hmm. get a lot further. Which means you have to build a relationship with them. You have to get to know them to find out where they're at, right? right. And that's the thing that a lot of programs don't take the time to do, you know, a lot of different organizations or curriculum that people come up with, if it's not informed by and plugged into and attuned to the folks that you're serving or that you're trying to reach, and you're just creating something because of like your agenda that you have, that's that can be one thing that makes a difference in terms of how sustainable it is, or uh, what, how receptive people are to it, you know, um, yeah. you really have to. So, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm super proud of is just really building community um, through sex positive families and um, get, you know, getting to know what is it that real life parents, you know, uh, are, are challenged by and what does the support look like for them? What are their goals when they think about their young people or their family or themselves as parents? Getting tuned into that from their own voice helps me to develop the types of content and materials that will really make a difference for folks. Mm. I love it. I'm so excited for it, like to continue seeing what you put out. Um, and it's definitely motivating. Um, Al also is someone that's trying to do all the things and probably burn out more than I should. Because um, that, that is real. That is real. If if someone came to you and was like, tell me things, if you could give them two different words of advice about entering this work, and then like two things that you've done for yourself to like keep afloat and survive, what would they be? Um, no, one piece <laughs> would be that, you know, 
imposter syndrome is rooted in white supremacy. And so don't believe the lies. <laughs> you know, there there will be a lot of uh, a lot of internal voices sometimes that can tell you that, oh, you know, what do you know? You're not you're not good enough or who's going to listen to you or blah, blah, blah. But if you feel like this is a uh, an area or a field or a focus that you feel passionately called to or drawn to follow that. Um, it is going to take a lot of trial and error. It is going to um, take a lot of meaningful collaborations. Um, yeah. This is not competition, you know, uh, collaborating with folks is super key in this because we need each other. We need each other to reach the many, many people. Like not everyone's going to feel what Sex Positive Families has to offer or what Melissa Carnegie has to offer. But if I if I can stay connected to other providers, educators, sexuality professionals that are doing the work, I can point people in those directions. It's not a competition, you know. So I would say those two things, you know, imposter yeah. syndrome, don't believe the lies. And this is collaboration, not competition. And then what was the other question? How are you <laughs> how are you keeping it together? How are you staying afloat? Like, two oh, gosh, <laughs> You're like, lots of Am I? lots of humor. <laughs> Laughter is healing. I keep telling people laughter is yes. the lube of life. I just put that merch out. I just put that out and get on a t-shirt now. Oh my gosh. Okay, do it. I won't take it. You do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, I love that. Laughter is the lube of life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm excited for you for that. Um, so yes, lots of humor because like we can't take ourselves too seriously when it comes to this. Um, we have to be vulnerable just as much as we expect the people that are intersecting with our work. You know, we're expecting them to be vulnerable and to open up. And so we've got to be that too. And uh, that means sometimes messing up or sometimes taking a break or sometimes saying, you know, I I'm scared. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to do this yeah. or if I can do this, right? So just being authentic and showing up. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Like it, it sometimes doing this work can be feel very isolating. Yeah. That's why I definitely I am so I'm so excited about the connections that uh, that I have, you know, to people that are working in the field and that and just that, you know, we we can support each other. We can cheer each other on. We can lift each other up. We can send referrals each other's way. Like collaboration is just such a part of the self-care Um Shout out to Goody Howard. I just want to say Goody Howard is someone that I have been able to count on. We've been able to count on each other for support. Um, and just sometimes you just need to be told like you're you're a badass. Like, you know, keep that shit up. And we're there for each other for that. Also, Christy Federico um, is someone that has been there from day one in terms of sex positive families. We met through a coaching program that we both did before sex positive families was even like the name, you know, and the, and the, and the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, and I can name so many, there are so many, so many people that, you know, without, without them along this journey, like they're a part of my self-care. These are people that I can call at any time. I can text at any time and vice versa. And, you know, we help keep each other afloat because it can get hard out there. Yeah. Ah, this has been so great. I hope all the parents listen to this and find you. Speaking of finding you, how do we find you? How do we throw coins at you? How do we book you? Tell us all your business. Ooh. 
Yes. Um, so sexpositivefamilies.com is the website. Um, and so you can find all the everythings that I shared as, in terms of, you know, the resources that are going to support the talks and strengthen sexual health in your family um, and on social media. So on fa- on Instagram, we're at sexpositive underscore families. On Facebook, we're sexpositivefamilies. Twitter, Twitter's not not quite my jam, so <laughs> we're there, but it's not quite the jam there. It's kind of hard to be everywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, those are the places that you can find us. And then uh, the podcast is Sex Positive Families, the podcast, and that's on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music and on the website. So we're 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 everywhere. <laughs> we're out there. Well, I'm so glad that we got to talk today and for sharing the work and doing what you're doing because it does start at home and I think people forget that. So thank you so much for coming out and talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And and again, thank you for the work that you do and and also for being um, someone along this journey who I've been able to um, look at and be inspired by and just, again, knowing that um, this work is impacting so many people and uh, I'm just honored to be alongside you in this journey. Yay, we did it. We're doing Yay. it. We're doing yes. it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> the first resource is Melissa's project, The Sex Positive Families, which you can find it at sexpositivefamilies.com. Sex Positive Families provides educational support for parents and caring adults to strengthen sexual health talks with children in their lives. Next up, we have ParentingDigital.com. Parenting Digital is created by Corey Pepler, which provides very grounded and practical advice for parents on how to parent in a digital world, a topic you should start thinking about early. And third, we have a book called It's Amazing. (laughs) It's so amazing. A book about eggs, sperm, birth, babies, and families by Robbie H. Harris. It's So Amazing provides the fascinating answers with fun, accurate, comic book style artwork and a clear, lively text that reflects an elementary school's child's interest in science and how things work. Throughout the book, a curious bird and a squeamish little bee help to tell the amazing story of how a baby is made from the moment an egg and sperm join through pregnancy to birth. This book addresses everything in a reassuring and age-appropriate way. Related topics such as love, sex, gender, families, heterosexuality, homosexuality, sexual abuse, and HIV and AIDS, while giving children a healthy understanding of their bodies. And a resource I'm going to talk about every episode is our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that connects you with a personal online therapist. They have hundreds of licensed therapists you can connect with within 24 hours. Cognitive therapy has been proven to be the leading, most effective treatment for PTSD, anxiety, and childhood trauma. I always, of course, recommend first seeking an in-person therapist, especially in crisis situations. But online therapy is also a fantastic option, especially if you live in an area where you don't have access to a therapist with the Black experience, the queer experience, or they're just downright too pricey. With BetterHelp, you can filter to find exactly what kind of therapist you'd like. And if it doesn't feel right with that person, you can be matched with a brand new counselor within 24 hours. You can video chat, talk on the phone, do in-app messaging, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to betterhelp.com backslash queen 
to find your personal counselor for as low as $35 a week. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com backslash Q-U-E-E-N. Thank you so much for listening. This season has been so special to record. And of course, I have to give a shout out to all the people who made this possible. You can find us all on Instagram. Podcast artwork by Zoe Loves, Z-O-I-E-L-O-V-E-S. Produced by Boy God King, B-O-Y-G-O-D-K-I-N-G. And me, I'm your host, Jiminika. That's J-I-M-A-N-E-K-I-A.